After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to Mind Rolling, another episode. Hi, Rago, I'm David, and we have with us... Wait, my full name. I, uh, pre- I give you my f- your full name every time. Okay. <laughs> you give me a, this Ragu. Ragu. <laughs> this, this is Ragu Marcus. Thank you. And David Silver. And Alan Hutner, who is with us, our guest. Alan is... Uh, hi, Alan. Hey, hey, David. Hi, Ragu. Um uh, Nice to do this with you, mind rolling thing, whatever that is. Oh, uh, we'll we'll tell you what it uh, is and how me, we stole tell me it. What I need to do here? Okay, you just sit there for now, and that's <laughs> what I tell people: sit there and look pretty. Except I'm there's no video. There, I'm, um, I'm in my presence. Okay, great. Um, Alan is uh, not only a longtime friend of mine. We were just talking about it with David because we were all in this uh, wacky cult in the middle of the 70s spiritual scene you might have also called it and actually it was a fantastic teaching and uh, it would have to be the subject about of about 10 podcasts to really get at what the hell went on then uh-huh. uh, but uh, Alan and I met there a long time back and David was in that scene but I guess there was a lot of people because they don't even recognize each other what is that well when I used to go to the scene Alan I would just sit and meditate and not speak to anyone which is not characteristic of me at all but that's what I went for I went to learn to meditate really and I, I can only say and I'd like to get your hit on this that no matter what people say about her her is Joya let's Get yeah. straight. Let's not that's get into a huge thing about her. Joya, a.k.a. Majaya Sati Bhagavati. That's the long name. Wow. Joya before uh, the Hindu uh, tradition came into the picture. Right. Anyway, this is uh, not about Joya. It's about Alan. Hi. Right? That's what we're doing here. So yeah. tell us about, you know, because you you've really been doing this broadcasting thing for a long time, as I have, actually. Well, we need to say who Alan yeah. is, for God's well, sake. Well, come on, you know, I mean, he, he'll, t- he'll tell us himself. Well, it's Transitions Radio, and it's, uh, I lived in Santa Fe right. for quite some time, some time back, and uh, it's a, a fabulous show because he had on one person after another, teacher, author, whomever, somebody making a contribution to get us into a better place. And not to mention that, Alan played great music, okay? So that show has been going on how long, Alan? All right, so we're coming up on 30 years, February the 14th, 2014. That'll be 30 years. So wow. we're in our 30th year, which is uh, you know pretty outrageous. Yeah, to keep anything going it. 30 years, anything at all. 
Dave's yeah. marriage uh, is, you know, no, not 30 years. Not even close to 30. No, I mean, <laughs> that's amazing you've been doing. And you were doing it on before all of this facilitation by internet and so on. So when, when did you, let's just talk about this for a minute. When, when did you start and why? All right. L l l just a little brief bio on how this all happened. And, uh, you know, I was 12 years as a corporate executive in the pharmaceutical industry between 1965 and 1977. So that was a very mainstream career. Uh, I, I finally left, took an early retirement. That's when I ended up in uh, Forest Hills, New York, uh, with you guys a little bit. That was 77, 78, 79 maybe even into 80, 81, and then I moved down to Florida. I was there for a while and came out to New Mexico in 1982. And I was in Albuquerque for about a year and then took a job as the executive director of the Institute of Traditional Medicine, which was based out of Santa Fe. Hmm. And they had, uh, they had uh, five divisions uh, of alternative or complementary medicine. One was... Uh, Oriental medicine and acupuncture. Uh, they also had an Ayurvedic uh, healing and medicine program. They had a massage school. They had Western herbology, and they had a nutrition school. So with my background in allopathic medicine, they thought I'd make a good executive director to kind of move into the alternative field. Wow. And that's, that was the job I took here and started doing radio in February of 1984 and we had a little half hour show that was mainly music and then it went to an hour to two hours to three hours to four hours of music and talk that started like I said in February 1984 and uh, that's kept me planted and anchored here in Santa Fe uh, the show like I said is about well Rago mentioned the music it's about 50-50 uh, yeah. half and half roughly right so so, uh, you know, it's been my, uh, if you would have told me back when we first met in the, in the late seventies that my calling was going to be radio or talking to a lot of people on the air, I would have laughed because I was an accountant at the time, <laughs> you know, doing, right. doing a corporate scene. Right. And, uh, in fact, I re you know, we can talk about some of the stories about how we connected, but I remember uh, hanging out with you in the attic of these houses in Forest Hills. These, y you would cut into the uh, eaves and create these little rooms with uh, oh, God. rugs and uh, incense and candles and do these little darshans or gatherings in, in 77, 78, 79. And it was in one of those that... Uh, that uh, Moss said you were going to talk to thousands of people someday. So for I, whatever, there was a psychic prophecy. Okay, this is starting to be embarrassing because I'm well, even thinking uh, of the, this. I've never, th I haven't thought of this in, th you know, I don't even want to say how many years. So uh, now that you're bringing it back, I mean, should I horribly admit what was going on then? It was well, me and Krishnadas up in this attic and we would see people. Uh, for a certain period, we were running retreats, okay, and we were chanting and meditating and all the good things, mm -hmm. but we were also seeing people up in that attic on an individual basis and, you know, where they could talk about whatever, and we supposedly, how the hell do we do that? I mean, well, I don't know how old I was then, but I do know how little I knew, 
and <laughs> don't know much more right now. And we sat there and gave advice to people. Was, uh, did did we give you advice, Alan? That well, um, I, yeah, you gave me some advice, that, but that was not in an attic enclosure. You gave me advice on a beach in uh, Montauk, Long Island. In a That's where the retreat. attic was in Montauk. In Montauk, and yeah. I, I, you were you were sunning yourself on a blanket. I was one of the retreatees of about maybe thirty people there, and you were doing some teaching. Uh, Krishna Das was doing kirtan. There was a bunch of people teaching Eastern ways. Uh, many of you had been with Ramdas uh, in India, and and this was kind of what came back. Uh, forget so, Ramdas. Ramdas. He forget Ramdas. It was <laughs> Maharaji Nimkaroli Baba that we were with in India. Ramdas yeah. was just the shill to get us there. Whoa. Well, whatever. Whoa. I mean, Whoa. give him a, give him a little more credit. <laughs> I'm I mean, he, being very. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you're being irreverent. Irreverent. So, what yeah. was the advice that he gave you? Let's let's the, let's, I, I, let's I, find let me, that out. Let me, let me go to that because here you know, picture this. Uh, I'm still. Uh, you know, upper management, corporate executive uh, in my 12-year career. I hadn't left yet. This is, I think this is happening around 75 or 76. And it scared the, the, the shit out of me to, to, you know, leave my ordinary reality and go hang out with these meditators and these chanters and these kirtan people for 10 days in some house on Long Island uh, it took a lot of courage for me to do that. I think reading Be Here Now before that, having, having some indication of the Eastern traditions and what, uh, what Ram Dass brought back about Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba and his, his greeting and meeting him uh, had a profound effect on me when I read the book, which was probably around mm. 74. I didn't read it right after it came out. Mm. So I'm stepping into new territory and uh, I can remember being driven in a car from the Bleecker Street Cinema Theater where everybody gathered. And I left all my roots, including my wife. And uh, I'm, I'm trusting that I'm in good hands with these people, including you. Oh, Rock. my God. I when, I see, when I think back... Uh, oh well, my well, God! I thank well, God. You know what? Only Maharaji saved us all. That's all I got to say. Well, because that's, there was no other way for it to happen. Let me tell isn't you. Isn't that the but, real threat of it all? Yeah, but you want to know when I said that irreverent thing about Ramdas was just a shill? You know what? It is absolutely true. Yes. <laughs> okay, because uh, and and this is how the th we were talking about this the other day. This is how the thread extends outward the way it has is because of this, and I tell this one little example story. I mean, basically, when I met Ram Dass and everything made total sense what he was saying, and, and I, suddenly it was a reality that there was another reality, if you know what I mean. And then I, you know, I guess we basically, because of the, you know, the, the voice conveyed so much vibration of uh, you know a wide spectrum but certainly love you know and and so we fell in love and what we fell in love with we had no idea of what that was i mean he gave us pictures of maharaji and all that but in my case i just was like completely taken by this being and 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 being so free with it with that love and when i first saw maharaji the first second 
He walked out, and the first thought I had was, oh, shit, that's what Ramdas was all about. He was just transmitting this thing. You know well, this thing called love. So, but then it it. W- it went all the way down. Then when they everybody came back to the West, and Ramdas, of course, you know, all the way till today, where where Krishnadas is turning on thousands of people uh, by virtue of that exact same thing. When you let enough of your, you know, who your identity shit go, then it comes through, and that is true for everybody, not just for you know. I mean. Everybody who ha- who is actively connecting with whatever you want to call that thing, you know, uh, you know, the Universal Intelligence Energy Corporation. That's really what he was. Yeah. Well, I like love. I mean, you know. Yeah, love is good. Love is. This is it's okay. This is, what That's else great. is there? I mean, if you want to talk about vibration or frequency or fourth chakra chakra resonance or you know the bhakti of uh, uh of feeling an open heart which i gotta say was one of the things that happened at montauk that 10 days transformed my life because i didn't really know what deep love was or really you know full love was until i had that experience with a bunch of people that were carrying the ripple effect as you know we talked about on the radio show a little while ago the baba ripple effect you and i had a conversation Something happened that blew my heart open. I won't go into well, it was Krishnadas's kirtan, you know, that blew my heart open, and I had an experience of of an energetic uh, that I never had before in my life. And I'm over thirty at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, right. so a lot of people haven't had this still. I mean, how many people have had that kind of connection? Uh, whoever the transmitter is, uh, you know, Baba or some of the other beings the one have. big baba there's only one big baba and that's for sure well h- how about some of the other saints and masters that are in uh uh beloved now that uh, that you guys helped to put out with Ramesh Radas and some of the people yeah. uh, you know there's there are there are holders of this frequency to some degree no right no to the nth degree i mean the to ones the that are holders of this frequency that that are in that book, I mean, and Ramdas uh, was very careful. They all came, you know, they were all in the last century. It's not a reflection on this century, I hope. Uh, uh-huh. And they, but, and we met a few of them, and they all, it was the same thing. When you were near them and just in the vibrational field, it was that one thing. Now, that's our subjective experience. Ramdas and those of us that uh, you know were involved with Mahar, but we did have that thing with Maharaji on a consistent basis of knowing what that thing is. And yeah. I remember going over to Ananda Maima. She that was the same that thing. And the Karmapa, the sixteenth uh, Karmapa, uh, who when I got ten feet away from him, I went, "Holy shit, this is just like Maharaji." And and then when I you know, and for that whole time, it was the same. So there is a certain something that is completely infinite in in these beings they are com- no no duality at all so they are the model absolutely they are the model and they are you know they're they're i mean there was no teaching it's just being in in that presence and allowed for your own self discovery which you know god guru and self are one ramana uh, maharshi said right ah uh, ah uh, yeah subek you you quoted that in our last conversation yeah subek so 
this is what you're living for now too, besides playing in the physical and uh, maybe moving out of ego persona sometimes, right? I mean, this is what we do. Uh, you know, well, we have if, to have no. We're I have to di- diverge because now we have to have a commercial because this we're we're <laughs> earning our grub here. This is <laughs> all right. Give me a commercial horrendous. or give yourself a commercial. All right. Well, we we are happy for the support we've been getting from our incredibly growing audience. By the way, you guys are telling people about uh, about us. That's great because the interaction we have, we love. Dave writes a lot of letters every week to people, and and he's made a ton of friends, right? I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah, bullshitting I mean, people, that no, one. No, I'm very, you know, you know what I'm like. I'm not particularly lovey-dovey about this stuff, but I, you know, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But some of the people who've contributed to us and written to us have just, you know, blown my mind and opened my heart once again, because people are just so kind and so supportive of anything, which isn't, you know, media poison. That's pretty which, lovely, which, which we hope we're not. Okay. I'm sure you found the same thing, Alan. Right? Anyway, we, let's finish the commercial. Okay, so help us out by going to our site, mindrollingpodcast.com, and if you link through our Amazon banner, everything you buy from Amazon, we just we're we're talking to a friend of ours, and he said, "Yeah, I go up there in Amazon. I buy everything from paper towel rolls to." Uh, Anal butt plugs. That's what he said to us. So that was just uh, part just, of that just, kind just of lovely. conversation. It was just lovely. <laughs> yeah. And so, but the thought is that, you know, when you do that, then we automatically get a very small percentage as an affiliate. And then if you uh, bookmark it, even better. So whenever you go up there, you, you know, because it's absolutely the same for you guys. And then we get supported for what we're doing here. So we'd love to have you do that. Amazon.com. Go to Mind Rolling Podcast. Dot com and also we have an audible uh portal there where you can join audible uh dot com audible trial dot com slash mind rolling actually but just go to our site and you can even make a donation or buy a t shirt or a mug that's it and audible is good because they give you a free month trial and with that trial well, you can get anything from and it doesn't matter it's not like fantastic they, give you a, they don't give you a five dollar product you can get a an hundred and thirty six dollar product and they do not argue and by the way Rago and you know this. Amazon and Audible.com are extremely honorable and prompt in in what they send to us. You know, in the in these small percentages of what you buy, they send it to us on a monthly basis, very regularly, and it's extremely, you know, sort of honorable. That's all I can say. That's a that's not we're way beyond one minute on that commercial. Yeah, sorry, Alan. Alan. Yeah, please very, talk. Please talk for five is. minutes, please. Uh, at least, come on. You know what? I, okay, I want to ask you something because I was listening. You know, quick quick I, question. Come on. I, I'm, when I listened to the station, and when I was living in Santa Fe, that was a lot, right? And uh-huh. um, and I heard uh, uh, this is something that also came up with our friend Duncan in a previous uh, podcast we just did, uh, and it was about he did this show, uh, Duncan Trussell. I don't know if you know him. He's a comedian and and has a very popular podcast, Alan. You would love it. He's totally uh, in in the pocket in uh, you know in, in, uh, spiritual awareness is I'll, I'll is write it down what's the name Duncan Trussell T-R-U-S-S-E-L-L and it's duncantrussell.com and he uh, he's a good friend of Joe Rogan's do you know who Joe Rogan is no oh no. check Joe out so he they did a sci-fi show and this is how this came up and they were aside from the podcast so that he's very much into psychedelics and extraterrestrial god knows what so it was a show about finding bigfoot 
or finding, you know, dealing with UFOs and, you know, is it real? Is it not, I can't, do you remember the name, Dave? I don't, but it's Is that, is it true know, or something it, it, like Joe, that? It's like Joe Rogan questions everything or something yeah. like that. I mean, that's he talks about his DMT experiences on air, you know, that kind of stuff. He's yeah. really wild and amazing. Yeah, I think you would. He's pretty, I mean, it's crazy though. It's Anyhow, a podcast. It's a hey, podcast you, and he's you, a comedian. You, you need to send me uh, the, uh, the time that this podcast is available and I'll say to our listeners that they can go to your website and listen when, when I know it's up. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to do that. All right. So what we want, so anyhow, one of the things that came up and it's one of the things that you've done more than one show about. Yeah. And I've never for my life understood it's, it's validity to speak of in in any way, shape, or form. So I've been really off on this one. Chemtrails. <laughs> chemtrails. Yeah. Can you tell us about chemtrails? Well, uh, yeah, I can. Uh, the, the, the brief version is in 1999, uh, somebody gave me a cassette saying, hey, uh, I know you don't cover this stuff on the show, and at that time, uh, I, I would say we were primarily dealing with a little more spiritual consciousness focus rather than politics, government, uh, conspiracy theories. But I listened to this tape of an interview between, between William Thomas, who was an investigative reporter, a journalist, and an author of a number of books, and Art Bell on uh, the four-hour show uh, that he used to do late night, a.m., uh, coast mm-hmm. to coast. Yeah. All right? It's, I think it's still going. So I'm listening to this interview, and this journalist and, and uh, author researcher is profoundly uh, engaging uh, with the host, with Art Bell, about uh, this, this book that he wrote and these articles that he's been writing about this aerosol spraying that's going on in the sky. And I can't believe it. It's one of those things that you know, blows my mind. And the person who gave me the cassette says, look, would you cover it on the show? And I said, I don't know. I'll follow up with it. So I tracked down this William Thomas, who's, you could Google him, William Thomas. He's, he's a, a journalist and, you know, he's, he's got credibility. And I asked him if he would talk about it on the radio show. Uh, and he did. This probably goes back to uh, now it's Transitions Radio Magazine, then it was uh, just transitioned radio. We added the magazine. By the way, our website is transradio.com. I'll Excellent. Triple W dot T R A N S R A D I O dot com, and uh, we do live stream and archive our shows. So uh, this will not be on because it goes back before we even started to archive stuff. But some somewhere around the middle of 1999 we did this interview and it struck a resonant chord with a lot of people they wanted to know more about it and we ended up having these gatherings on sunday after the radio show at this restaurant called the oasis which you may remember Mm -hmm. from your days in town and what started out as 10 or 15 people then it was 20 and 30 and pretty soon they gave us their back cottage and 50 60 people were gathering and spreading the word in Santa Fe. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a website that is is quite accurate and a lot of research about what's going on over the last, well, it's almost 14 years since it started. It's carnicom.com, C-A-R-N-I-C-O-M.com. 
He's a researcher that does a lot of uh, work now, more on the medical and health effects of what's happening from these sprays. But at that time, in the late uh, 1990s and early 2000s, the sky w was being filled with these streaks that would dissipate and spread into what was called strange white haze. And there's been biologicals detected in the affluence. There's been chemicals uh, detected in it. And it's changed uh, some of the health uh, impacts of people breathing in the air. So much so that uh, upper respiratory, lower respiratory problems have moved into the top five cause of illness and maybe even death. Now, I'm not an expert on it, so I I'm, I'm Who just is giving... doing this to us? Who are these horrible... Who's doing this? I mean, I Well, no it's, you know, it's the... It's, the, uh, it's a, a, a... I don't even know... I don't want to call it government because it's, uh, you know, above that or below that. It's a secret cabal of, uh, of people who are making money and controlling the population by uh, influencing our consciousness and our physiology and our physical health by these uh, chemicals and affluents. There's biologicals in there. So and, it's a uh, medical community. I mean, well, hospitals I, and doctors and insurance. No, 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 no. It's no? Not, it, it's not, it's... Well, who would that. stand to make money? I mean, if it's it's always about money, so wait, who's well, making the money? Well, maybe maybe you would say it's the power elite or oligarchical, uh, uh, plutocratic uh, people who do make money off of illness. Look, you know, I spent twelve years in the pharmaceutical industry. All right, what I came to know about seven years into it is the company I worked for wasn't really interested in in health and wellness and cures, they were in, interested in managed wellness. And look at the pharmaceutical products that are sold now as opposed to even then. There's, there's a drug for restless leg syndrome, all right? Instead of meditating and quieting your body down and learning how to breathe properly, they've got a drug to calm your nerves down so that you don't shake your feet. There's, there's, there's yeah. a disease for everything right now. So... If you ask me as a, an ex-pharmaceutical executive, now, wait, wait, you know, I'm not saying there aren't some drugs that save people's lives and there aren't some pharmaceutical products that are essential for crisis situations, but they make money from selling pharmaceutical products. You think that that, you know, what's that old cliche? Follow the money to find out what the agenda is. Mm. Yeah, Alan, can we a, can we just deconstruct something? I don't quite get. It. I mean, I've read about chemtrails, but I want to know from your from your you know investigations of it. Are there, how do they do it? How did they how did they do it? What were they? Well, what was the way okay. they did it? In the in the early years, okay, and I'm going back to 1999. Uh, there were pictures taken of these planes that actually had uh, devices on them that were releasing this white what what appeared to be a contrail, all right? A contrail is a natural effluent from a plane that will last for a short while, maybe a little longer, depending on the uh, relative humidity in the uh, atmosphere. Uh, and again, I'm not an expert. Uh, I, I send you to carnicuminstitute.org. That's another website, carnicuminstitute.org. But in 
New Mexico, where there's low humidity all the time, there was no reason for an ordinary contrail to not only stay, but to spread for hours and fill the sky with a white haze. We knew this was off. I was in, I was in the, uh, at the time, Congressional Representative uh, Tom Udall's office with a couple of other people in a loose-leaf book of about six inches in, in thickness presenting the case for what was going on, and it just got stymied and shut down. Uh, going a little ways back, uh, Dennis Kucinich had some stuff. You know, he's a congressman, or was from Ohio. Dennis Kucinich got into this. There are a few people who touched in at it, into it, and they were basically told by by uh, whether it was the uh, FAA, Federal Aviation, or uh, Center for Disease Control, or some other organizations that these were ordinary contrails, and to cease and desist further research and investigation. Well, we have to go back here, uh, you know, to the to the fact of this is again, and you know, we're reminded. I was reminded of this because of Duncan's uh, going, you know, this television show. That was one of the things that they were investigating, and so on. He didn't go into it any further, but it reminded me of this. And then it, yeah. re- but it reminds me of it's just a. To me, it's no different than 9-11. Cons- it's all these different conspiracies seem to have a way to engage and entertain people beyond the reality of doing something about... You're doing something about what? This is the government, so you're going to protest at the government? Or is this, you know, we're talking about the secret cabal that's well, that's running the world. Where are you going to go find them and you're going to protest? So why are we thinking about this for more than three seconds? Un- unless there is an organized um, lobby... Uh, to the uh, you know the EPA or something. Well, let me let me give you an, an example of something related to what you're saying because um, look at what we had with these WikiLeaks, okay, and disclosures of secrets upon secrets like the NSA spying, okay. It's somewhat out in the public. Is that going to make a difference? I can't tell you that for sure, Ragu or David. You know, the exposure of Snowden's, uh, even he brought up chemtrails. It was part of his disclosure in what he released. And not only that, what he released wasn't even accurate from my pers- perspective, okay? Because he was, he was uh, saying that it was, be, it was being done that the aerosol sprays was a protective mechanism uh, to close ozone holes and UV interference and global warming. Now, maybe there is one layer of that that is uh, a helpful side effect uh, to slow down global warming. But, and I'm just going to give one thing, because, uh, you, know, y- y- you know, we don't have to spend another minute on this, but if you go to that website, carnicominstitute.org, the best thing you can do is educate yourself to something that's possible. Right. All right. Right. And then right. you'll read about Morgellons condition. M O R G E L L O N S. That's worth knowing about. There's a lot of people that have this uh, condition where things come out of their skin that they put under a microscope that mainstream doctors are saying is psychosomatic. That other people are in pain and suffering because there's something in their blood that comes out through the skin. Now, where did it come from? 
this site kind of ties it in that maybe some of that stuff was breathed in. Oh, God. Oh, God. This sounds terrible. I'm a horrible hypochondriac, Alan. Well, so well, I really don't appreciate this. So, so let me let me offer a remedy for this. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we want to get to some remedies. A remedy. A remedy. Yeah. The remedy is waking up to who you are. I mean, really, we need to know our true nature. You know, not not all the false identity. I knew there was a the remedy for chemtrails. Yes. It's knowing who you are and being aware of all that is, okay? And in that, you'll know what to do in the moment out of your loving. You know, when when many of the talks that Ramdas gave, I love I love Ramdas, you know, he's 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 been one of the most influential people in my life. Somebody asked him during the Bush administration, "What do you do with these people?" He said, "Put their picture on your puja and pray for them." Well, I don't always do that specifically, but the, the, it gets back to our conversation early on about love. I mean, you've touched into a frequency, and that's the best thing that you can hold because that'll even cure some of your diseases. We know about uh, complementary medicine and attitudinal healing and people like uh, uh, Norman Cousins who had a cancer situation and ended up watching funny movies in the hospital for uh, a couple of weeks and cured himself of cancer, you know? Oh, God. So, so this is what we need to do. We need to be who we are. Can All you, right, can, can, I got it. Can I ask you something? Of the people that you've had as guests in the last, you know, year or so? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Uh, pick out a couple who were you feel ameliorating in this way. All right. I, you know what? I just happened to have my list up, okay, from my... my my media profile kit, all right? And, and uh, I am going to go through the list. I'm going to not start at the A's. I'm going to go from the, uh, the W's and the Y's, okay? Okay. okay. All, all right? So uh, you have Yanni. You have Wayne Barr. Yanni? Wait, Yanni. wait. Yanni, the piano player? Well, the, he's a composer musician. <laughs> let's not be let's Sorry. not be patronizing like immediately you know, he, he does more than play a piano he puts out some incredible music he does he does all he i'm does so sorry he i'm does sorry you know you can be a reverend i'll i'll defend i you. really wasn't no you, you, you were he, okay. i just yanni needed a does, reference that's all yeah yeah yanni does the music to all the uh pro golf uh programs now you know another one of my favorite sports <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> okay, about, Alan. Please about, continue. Uh, please continue. Wayne Dyer. Yes. All right. Tom Hartman. Okay. Uh, how How about uh, Here's one to test your 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 uh, your history, Ragu. Stephen Gaskins. Do you know him? Oh my God! Of course, the farm. Yeah, the farm. he's been on the show from the farm. He blew my mind away when I was at Smith Klein reading all his stuff. You know, he did the caravan with the school buses yeah. across the country. He was a great teacher of his time, mm. you know. Uh, Stephen and Andrea Levine, you know them. They've been on the show. They're the, they're the best people in the world. Stephen I hear he's got a new book out, Stephen. He has, and I have it, and it's uh, wonderful. What's the name of the book? I have to get it. Uh, All right, never mind. I don't want to. I'll, I'll look it up. How about Stan the Alzheimer's. Um, I'm going to remember it, Alan. You didn't give me more than, you know, half okay. a half What's a the minute. book, Stephen Levine? Uh God, it, somebody took it from me, and I can't even, <laughs> Jesus. All right, well, forget well, about it. I'm, you know what? Mindrollingpodcast.com. This this is what 
This is who Dave and I are, and we bring you wonderful guests like Alan and many other frivolous things that we do between ourselves that are semi-entertaining, we hope. Uh, MindRollingPodcast.com. We went to, to commercial break there, right? Now. You yeah. did with that seamlessly, Alan. I, I you just went right into list. it. You were like gone into like space, like the film Gravity. I was trying we to let say, you go. No, you know? no, no. I was trying to say David is going to provide on MindRollingPodcast.com <laughs> what the name of his book, Stephen's book. We'll find the name out, you and you go, go we, there. You, Okay. Google, Google we'll it find while it. We'll we find continue it. our conversation. No, right? it's not out yet. It won't be there. Oh, you know, right it's. Uh, how about not... how about Stan Groff? I mean, do you guys oh, relate wow. to yes, him, Stan Groff? Absolutely. No. No. Stan okay. did some Stan, incredible. I'm just being honest. Stanislav Groff spent a lot of time Dolphins. with uh, Hoffman. Uh, oh, Albert really? Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he was one of the early pioneers with LSD in Got a it. clinical environment as a psychotherapist. Yeah, I should know that. Being one All of right, well, let's hear an anecdote instead of the list. Uh, give, give, right. give us an anecdote about, well, about Stan would be great. Well, okay. This gets back to, uh, to a Baba story, if I can do that. Uh, and uh, I was living in uh, Austin, Texas. Um, I I'm trying to remember, maybe it was about uh, 1981, 82, all right? And, you know, I have a financial background, uh, accounting, and, uh, you know, my, my master's degree is in accounting. And so I'm still doing accounting consulting, but I had left Smith Klein at the time. I was there from 65 to 77. Then I was in the ashram from 77 to about 79, 80. And then I got this job to uh, fund a project of organic fertilizer, okay? So I'm in Austin, Texas, in the shit business, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that I know nothing about, but <laughs> this fertilizer had these microorganisms in, in, uh, in, inoculated into the uh, base so that things grew 10 times larger, all right? Ooh. So I said, I'm in, I wanna do this project. So I'm in there. I'm in Austin, Texas, working on that. This is just a side story, but I I meet this woman there, uh, Diane Haug. Now, I don't know if you know Diane Haug. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Um, she doesn't know anything about Neem Karoli Baba or uh, you know East Indian stuff, but she's teaching. Uh, uh, he, she's teaching to and taking care of kids with terminal illness, um, and she had a nonprofit foundation. And I'm trying to remember the doctor who inspired this. He was an, an MD and wrote a book about uh, death and dying for kids. And I kind of fell in love with this woman. Uh, we had a great connection, and I would bring my Shruti box to her house in, in, in the river country of Texas, outside of Austin, and I would chant to her. And she got so blown away by that, she ended up... You would chant to her? Yeah, yeah, with my Shruti bucks. You know, I, I would mean, do, like, like uh, Krishnadas does, you know? Uh -huh. you, you brought the Shruti box back from India to me and, <laughs> and, and gave it to me, and I have used it well, I used it, uh, you know, more profoundly in the early days when I, w I learned to chant. I learned kirtan, mm. you know. 
So what happened with the woman? You fell in love? So, you chanted to her? It sounds good. Yeah, we did. Uh, we made love together. And she got turned on to Neem Karoli Baba and, and that whole scene. And ended up moving to Santa Fe and was part of the Death in the Dying Center here with Dale Borglin. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then she went to study with Stanislav Graf. Now, everybody was into psychedelics to some degree, but... Graf's teaching, because of LSD became illegal, was about breathwork and pranayama and yoga and music and dance. And he's still, as far as I know, he's still teaching it. Wow. So that's, that's the thread that me, I end up getting to interview somebody who I found out about, you know, maybe eight years before. And that's the thing about the radio show, you guys, David and Raghu, is like, of all the things that happened, is to sit down in front of a microphone, which you're doing now with me, is to be able to uh, change frequency and in some way come to uh, an altered consciousness or an altered state that people are listening to the vibration of the conversation as well as making the, uh, the connection to the intellect because we call it whole brain radio. It's the left hemisphere is content and intellect and the right hemisphere is the music. It's the artistic side. And that's why we do both, and I haven't given it up in all these years. Whole so, brain radio, folks. Whole, uh, this could be a new. Radio. We should. There should be a network, a new network. Whole brain radio. Alan, why don't you put that together? Because I, I, we'd I'm be glad it. to be part of it. Would you be part of it? I'm working on it already. Uh, you know, this is that, the URL's already reserved. Whole brain radio. Oh really? Oh, you're not kidding. I was kidding. No, no. And a network's in process. Oh, fantastic. And I and we would like your podcast on it. All right. Well, All right. It, it's a done deal. Uh, strange brain radio would be more like what we do. Well, you guys, bit, you know. We fit look. right into that. Absolutely. They're trying to say, now there is no right brain and left brain thing at all. And it's, uh, there's a great article in the Wall Street Journal, which I recommend, called A New Map of How We Think Top Brain, Bottom Brain. What is it, top brain, bottom brain? Yeah, it's the Saturday essay in the Wall Street Journal, and you can find it, you know, by just searching. And it, well, the, what, it's, what it starts with, it's interesting, it says that the left brain right thing is a, is a myth. The scientists never believed in it, that the brain works as an integrated whole, a unity. And that well, right well, brain, you know, it's not true. So this is an interesting article. That's all I'm saying. So let me ask you this question with all this uh, uh, mind... Uh, uh, research, uh, you know, the, the new psychologies, um, uh, neuroplasticity now, every, uh, you know, there's fads. People write about these things, you know. Yeah. And then it, it, you know, you were talking about Daniel Goleman, uh, you know, what he, what he first did with, uh, what was that called? Uh, emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. All these things that break everything down into pieces so that scientists and people who need proof can analyze something that when you get to a level of self-realization, you don't give a shit. Exactly. I, so I, really, yeah, this is the yeah. journey that we've all traveled on. Yeah. And I, hey, you know, this is just a garment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. Thank God we're not on video because I'm in my sweats. I haven't shaved in a couple of days. I've got a couple of bedroom slippers on, and I'm doing something that I really enjoy, which is uh, our own little 
Darshan or Satsang here talking about truth with somebody. Mm. That's my that's the gift that I love the most. I get to talk to all these I people. I agree with you. I'm right mm. there with you. Yeah. And you're doing it. You're doing it. Look who you talk with, you know? Yeah, we're talking to him. People look the feedback we get, I'm sure is not that different from the feedback you get. It's people are very appreciative and say, you know, we don't mind the fact that you're not like seriously pondering and so on. You know, they like the fact that they can relate. And I mean, that's true of all forms that succeed, I think. Podcasts and relate. You know, they relate yeah, to people. And I like that you send things up with humor. And irreverence has its place. It really does. Uh, and what do we do at this, at this point in our lives with a world that is in duality of the nth degree, maybe more so than I remember, and maybe uh, if we go back in history to Atlantis or Lemuria or... I don't know the what's written in the the Bhagavad Gita about uh, times gone past in cycles. I don't know. I don't know. Here, here we all are. What do we do as a team of lovers to make a better world? To assist in making a better world. Raghu, you go to India once or twice a year, right? This is this is where you get renourished and make your connection. What did you say to me? You said everything stopped. Oh, yes. Time stopped. I love that. Everything stopped. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think about making a better world in that way. I mean, I, I obviously, I mean, the most blunt way I can put it is going to India, you know, and doing that sort of retreat or any, you know, anybody doing any kind of retreat where you, you are going deeper inside yourself to, you know, to get more identified with the true part. And then you just hope to be able to be you know of some use to your fellow humans and you know that uh, is there anything else to do there's nothing else to do but that so it just comes to that there isn't anything else to do but that and that you don't you know and I, so i just use that in in that fashion hey alan i want to ask you though yeah um just tell us the most uh, absurd embarrassing or otherwise crazy ass <laughs> thing that ever happened to you when you had somebody on all right well uh this immediately came to mind and uh, uh you know it was like some guest who came down to speak about a workshop that he was doing right but he was playing off some zen tradition you know of the emptiness and so, uh, you know, you need to have a, a little rapport in an interview, some back and forth. And so I'm on the mic with this guy in our studio in downtown Santa Fe, probably it must be like 1985. All right. Mm, wow. And I introduce his name and I say, uh, what's the name of the workshop? And he says, like, it's uh, it doesn't have a name. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. It doesn't have a name. Well, uh, what do you teach? I don't teach anything. (laughs) I said, well, you have a workshop and you don't teach anything. What happens when people show up and walk through the door? He says nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know after like two minutes of trying to pry something out. I mean, I know he was intending in his way to create the the empty space where maybe nothing happens, but you need a facilitator guide in some way. Now, you guys have sat in darshans with uh, Neem Karoli Baba, and there's been times where uh, teachers have said nothing, and they've, the, the love or the radiance was moving out of a space that you could feel. But in radio 
or in podcasting, <laughs> you need to have a conversation. I mean, it's not about meditating because people will get bored and they'll turn you off. Right. And uh, people have said, well, can we do a meditation on the air? And I'll say, only if it's guided and you continue to speak and we tell everybody that's driving in their car, if they want to do this, they need to pull over first. <laughs> Don't meditate while you're driving. <laughs> this guy, uh, I, you know, I didn't put anything on the air because... What <laughs> there was only in, air. <laughs> it, in five minutes, there was nothing. Unbelievable. And it was, but we're talking about it right now, all these years later. So, you know, maybe that was the whole point. It, you know. it stuck in my mind, and I know what he was trying to do, uh, where, look, uh, some really great teachers create uh, retreats where you don't speak for how long? I mean, a day or... Maybe longer, like you know, uh, Raga, you're talking about uh, Vipassana retreats, right? That's right, that's 10 the, days in, of not speaking. 10 days, yeah, yeah. So, the intention is for nothing to happen. Uh, maybe they feed you because uh, you're used to eating and you're, you haven't become a breatharian yet, and you can't live on water alone. Uh, but there are also traditions that send you out. Uh, uh, and you make a cornmeal circle around the tree, and you have to say, stay in the circle, and maybe you have water for three or four days uh, as a Native American practice. Personally, I have never done that. And I, I, I you know, other than maybe I've been silent for a day. Hmm. And maybe I'm missing something of the nothingness, but I'm, I'm okay with it all now. Well, anyhow, but anybody who is, did anything like that is completely ignorant and lost in some kind of <laughs> horror that uh, I don't care if they created the space with the people, you know, they're missing in action. So that is just uh, unbelievable. And uh, is that, is that too much of a self-flagellation or uh, of a cruelty to, to the body to do something like that? I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking you, you know, well, it's just, it's just completely misplaced consciousness, whatever it is. All right. So that's the negative. Give us the best, you know, the number one communication vibration, uh, f just fulfilling in the way that you really felt somebody transmitted something so valuable to the listener. Some who's that? Okay. All right. This is going to be a little bit of a shocking uh, story, but uh, I'm going to build it up a little bit. All right. And I'm not going to tell you who it is right away. Hmm. But uh, as you know, um, I still have uh, lineageal connections to the Kashi Ashram in Florida. You know, I have some reverence. That's for the place we, we have to say because nobody yeah, Ma, Ma, that is Ma, Jaya, who we Ma talk Jaya. about. In, yes, the the cult we were in in the in the in the mid seventies. That's who we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I'll address cult. Everything's a cult. We're two or more. Yeah, no, it's not. It wasn't a bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's a pejorative. So I'm not, you know. I mean, I'm not defending anything. I'm just saying, you know, it was. It had its ego persona stuff. It had its beauty. If if I hadn't been there for the years I was there, I wouldn't have met you. We wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't Absolutely. be doing radio. So it's all part of a chain of cause and effect events, if even that's true. Big teaching. Know. Big teaching. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, so yes. So, so you know, at, at one point, after I had left, uh, as you know, my son, uh, Michael, now Dorgadas, and my daughter, 
uh, Cynthia, now uh, Krishna Priya, Priya, uh, those two were, um, you know, executives in the organization helping to run the operational aspects of the ashram. Okay. And my mother went through a lot of stuff and was married down there and um, was getting shock treatments in an institution in Southern Florida. And finally, I said, enough of this stuff. And her husband didn't know what to do with her. So we went down there and we took her out of the uh, mental hospital and moved her to a hospice house that the ashram was one, running off the, off the land of the community, okay, where they were helping people in various stages of illness. And we put my mother into that. In fact, mm. uh, you know a woman named Bina mm-hmm. who was running the, uh, the hospice uh, by the river, I think it was mm-hmm. called. Right. And my mother had a place to go where she was loved and taken care of. Now, when she was there, she got to meet all the people in the ashram. And one of the devotees of Majai at the time was Arlo Guthrie. Uh, and I, you probably know that, but maybe you don't. So Arlo used to hang out at the ashram. He did benefit concerts for the ashram. Years later, my mother came to Santa Fe. We put her in assisted living. She didn't like that. And finally, we agreed, Elizabeth and I, to move her in with us in 2002 and uh, took her out of the assisted living. And she lived here in an apartment adjacent to the house for about 16 months before she died. During that time, Arlo Guthrie was doing a concert in Santa Fe, and uh, we did an interview with him, and I asked him if he wanted to come out to the house and see my mom again, and maybe we'd do a free-form interview in the studio. Mm. And he did, because he had uh, a couple of days before gigs. And he came out here and drove, drove this big bus, you know, the tour bus, parked it on a dirt road where we are out in the country in El Dorado. And we hung out for like two hours or so uh, doing an interview that was a retrospective of his life from Alice's Restaurant on. And I love this guy. I mean, you know, he has a real deep soul and spirit. And it's in his songs and it's in his music. And my mother got to hang out with him. We took a break for lunch. We had bagels and cream cheese and lox out in the patio. And when that was done, we went back into the studio. And Raghu, I'm sitting on about four hours of priceless recorded information with uh, Arlo Guthrie. Really? That may go onto this network at some point because what we did, I had all his albums piled in front of me. And you know music. You know what it's like. I said, what were you doing at this time? And we talked about each album, and he remembered the story. And he's a storyteller. Mm. And he told some amazing stories. And by the time that day was over, I was in kind of another frequency. Because hmm. I love the music, too. And right. whenever I hear him sing, it just sends me into another space. Well, so. I'm going to uh, share with you that uh, really, we, I mean, we connect in a, a lot of ways. We have over the years. And here's yeah. one that you don't know about. It's about <laughs> Arlo Guthrie. Arlo Guthrie in the presence of Jaya. Uh, I was there visiting. In the, it must have been in the 80s uh, or early 90s, possibly. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he, she asked him to sing, and he sang Dylan's It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it, it was a absolutely transformational moment. He did. I never. I Dylan never did it as good as this. I mean, he was absolutely staggering and in the moment. Uh-huh. And, and I've been with a lot of incredible musicians through my career in the music business and otherwise. And this was one of those moments I would have to say. And I haven't remembered it for a long, long time. But yeah. he just absolutely was transformational. So, uh, thank you for that. And yeah, you know, yeah. how's uh, that's uh, a circle. This is all about a circle, I think. You well, know? look, you, you know, David, I don't know you as much or as well. Uh, we've just met, but you know, Ragu, I uh, have this deep heart connection with you, which is is like the Baba nature in us. It's this place where we hold the big father. And try to embrace. And I don't want to be the big. Way. You're the big father, okay? I'm uh, not. David and I just fumble <laughs> along here, and and are happier than shit, and we don't have to be responsible for nothing. Can I, I can I, I tell my Arlo Guthrie story? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's it. Hear, yeah. Okay, I met him last year in in uh, in uh, Oklahoma City, where they did a a tribute to Woody, and and I was part of it. And we had a dinner before the concert, which was an amazing concert. It was Arlo and Jackson Brown and many many other great people but there was a dinner the night before in this incredible museum and it was the most like luxurious luxuriant thing you could imagine and arlo uh, was asked to speak after a number of other people who were all delightful people uh, who were preserving the guthrie estate in in tulsa oklahoma so it was so the food was so great the tablecloths were white lace it was all amazing arlo got up to the podium and he said Thank you. I really appreciate you appreciating my dad. I have to say, though, sitting here, I was thinking, if my father walked into this, he'd take <laughs> one look around, and then he would just say hello, and then he'd just leave. <laughs> and it wasn't like people were offended. Everybody clapped and laughed because they were all... And I was so taken by that honesty because I'd been thinking, you know, I'm sitting there in this incredible place with this incredible sort of food and drink and everything, and you think of Woody Guthrie who was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, had severe physical problems and addiction problems. His father was a, a racist and was actually accused of being a, a lynch person. Uh, so Woody came from the worst kind of background, and he never really had anything but hardship, actually, yeah. right through to the days in New Jersey when Bob Dylan and Ramblin' Jack Elliott visited him in the hospital just before he died. Woody had a hard life. So Arlo had to pay respect to that before he res- paid respect mm. to the situation at hand, you know. And I went up to him afterwards and just shook his hand and said, it really moved me what you said. Because, you know, I agree with you, Alan. He's just an absolutely wonderful being, isn't he? He really mm. is. Well, there we go. That's a real full circle. Three yeah. Of, three of us having this kind wow. of thing. Yeah. Well, we're going to end with this wow. circle. Uh, our, uh, our time is up, Alan. Okay. And uh, you know what we're going to do, though? We're going to play a... Uh, uh, we're going to find a song that, uh, you know, from Arlo that we all love. And we're going to assume you and part of that love, Alan. And David and I are going to pick something out. And we're going to uh, get this onto the program uh, because uh, I think it's a fine way to, mm. to end it. So, you know, a little tribute to Arlo. And uh, we all we all were touched by him. And that's, uh, that's uh, something we didn't even know about each other, 
How do you like yeah. that? Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much, you Alan. Uh, you yeah. too, both of you. It's yeah, that been was like great. Really was great, great hanging out. Much love. Yeah, I feel love, like much I love to everybody and our listeners too. You yeah. know, very warm. Stay in love the love. You. Hey, yeah. Stay in the love. That's okay, it. That's you got it. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Bye bye. Okay. <laughs> We're off. Yeah.